Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking. And guess what, y'all? We black in the garden. You have arrived at the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking, hostess with the mostest of Black in the Garden. Previously on Black in the Garden. Just Mother Nature. Um, mm. I think there are so many things that we can learn about just nurturing, I don't know, just nurturing a plant. I just think it takes patience. Um, it takes intentionality. It takes grace. Um, mm. It takes a certain level of selflessness. Um, and I think all the things that, you know, you can do to help a plant grow, if you can turn around and do that for yourself, I mean, like, come on, right? Um, well, let's just start with last week and the unintentional blackout of the episode. It was unintentional because I in- intuitively did not feel a need to not say anything I and I like to just make sense of things. I like to consider a perspective that is not the common perspective that is being discussed. And so, hey, we can do that now. That's what we're here for. There's a whole ass platform called Black in the Garden. And I am so glad that you are participating in it. You're listening. You're sharing. More importantly, you're listening because this is a listening type of thing. So once again, thank you so much for your ears. There's two things that are that have resounded with me the most as I as I think of it right now. As far as last week, one of the things is responding, overreacting. And for me, and when I say overreacting, I don't mean the word overreact. I mean responding versus reacting. All right. I am more of a responder than a reactor. Because from a young age, I just recognize that if if something happens or if someone does something to you that gets a knee-jerk reaction out of you, that person is controlling you. And perhaps that's not the most appropriate context for what I'm referring to right now, but just bear with me because I'm going to get to my point. So one of the things is responding versus reacting. That's number one. And the other thing that is really uh, standing out with me is the concept of transparency and how me coming here, speaking my truth on Black in the Garden, where I've been way more Black than gardening for a, a variety of reasons, but being transparent about where I'm at and where I was and where I wanted to be and where I would like for us to be and what all was going on. Listen, I just want my people to stop getting killed. Uh, there's not a whole bunch of like long-winded and profound things that I feel compelled to say around all of the insanity. Uh, the, whew, what a compounding of ridiculousness. What a compounding. 
we are literally having ourselves a whole pandemic while we are also, while racism is just continuing to do damage. You would think that us staying in the house, well, we ain't in the house no more because in Columbia, South Carolina and similar jurisdictions, the restaurants are open, the gyms are open. I mean, and I'm not really even trying to judge the people who are participating in the opening of these things because people are just going to do what they want to do as, as within reason as far as they are allowed. So for things to be open, they are only open because they can be open. There were orders that caused everything to close initially. And so that just goes back to leadership. The leadership that we currently have don't even really feel like leadership. It's just like, y'all just figure it out. Just, you know, tweet me or whatever, according to uh, 45, who I'm not even sure I've even mentioned in this whole entire podcast, but I'm not going to be shy about the fact that I don't fuck with him. That That's, he's not my cup of tea. That's nope, not even. So in case you were wondering, this is not necessarily the most political spot that you go uh, find yourself in. But when it comes to certain politics or politicians in particular, that one's not my fave. So just let that be known that when I'm talking about the leadership, I'm talking about from the top down. It's not just the president. It is also, you know, local legislative people, mayors, governors, whatever, whatever the case may be, whoever's opening stuff back up. There's so much more to say because I've, I want to talk about them separately, but they're not, they just, at this point, they don't feel separate to me. And when I say they, I mean, pandemic life versus, or pandemic life and the state of race affairs right now. Like I'm just, I'm trying to get it all out and (laughs) I'm laughing, but I'm still very much annoyed, upset, concerned. Like there's, it's a lot. So I just appreciate you for letting me get it out. And I'm going to take a deep breath and uh, re re center my thoughts so that I can continue and we can get this show. So I can give you a show. Uh, I believe I, I still have a, a decent record for putting out the episodes on Tuesday, at the very least, we're on season two of Black in the Garden. And, you know, we kicked up season two real smooth, real fly like, okay, with new music and, and new art and all of that stuff. So I think I earned a mental health break. I, I think you would agree. If you disagree with that, then like, what does that say about you anyway? <laughs> we all deserve grace. So I appreciate that coming from you and I'll be totally honest as as the the theme of this and I try to make it the theme of my whole life is transparency uh I didn't want to say the wrong thing dang 
didn't want to say the wrong thing. Why is that such a big deal? Sometimes you just say something and it's like, oops, my bad. Got to come back and fix that later. But I am a Virgo and I do like if it's public facing for it to appear correct first go around. Don't nobody want to come back and be like, oh, oops, I spelled that wrong or I said something stupid. You know, don't nobody want to look stupid or anything like that. But hey, being a public persona or whatever you want to call it, I'm still getting used to all that stuff. That's another part of this transparency thing is uh, I've always had things to say. I've always known that this would be something that I would do, but to be doing it and to be receiving recognition and having accolades and having a lot of people all at once be like, oh my God, what's going on over here? This is so amazing. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Everybody calm down. I'm still figuring it out. All right. So that's just where I'm at on that. But I appreciate the support. And really, like when I say that, I mean that from the heart every single time. Don't ever get it twisted. So here we are. And let's keep going. I had to really sum it up because I was trying to figure out why is it that I I know I want to talk about this on the show. I am compelled to discuss it, break it down, unpack it, chop it up, all of that stuff, but not wanting to, not wanting to, because who really wants to? Don't nobody want to talk about this because more importantly, we don't want it to be happening. That's it. We as blacks do not want to be collectively mourning our fallen brothers and sisters who we know about because there's so many that we don't know about there's so many remember all the outrage and outcry over the past few years with the invention of smartphones has been as a result of crimes that we have seen that have been documented with video and that's a whole other that's a whole other take on the whole situation but i'm just here to let you know that This is very much real. It's very much real to us all, especially if you are black, your melanin is like a target. It doesn't really matter what your social class is. It doesn't matter how respectable you are. It doesn't matter if your hair is long or short, nappy or straight, how many big words you know, or how many cuss words you know. I happen to know a lot of both, but... (laughs) It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Respectability is not a badge that will shield us from bullets or violence committed against us, not just by police, but any person who feels like, you know, they have the the authority or the the whim to just snuff out a black life and get away with it. And We're going to continue to speak out against that. That's really it. And sometimes I have to say this stuff just just to process it out loud and to get to where I need to get to. And where I needed to get to in saying what I just said is to be reminded that this is ongoing. This is not something, and when I say this, I mean the struggle for equality the fight for equality, I be trying not to say struggle because I've 
very particular about my language, but the ongoing desire and fight for equality, it's not stopping. We have to continue to rally for it and do all of the things that are going to help us to continue to push forward and push against all of the powers that exist in this world, especially white supremacy, pushing against that and dismantling that so that we can live in a better world and a world that will be safer for us to be black inside and outside of the garden. But really, where is the where is the garden not, really? Because, you know, when it's in your heart, it's just with you. It's everywhere you go. But, oh, God, wow, I needed that. I really needed that, and I feel so much better now that I've voiced that because trust and believe this has got to be take 17, at least take 17. Y'all just, you just don't understand, <laughs> but I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all for, for just understanding. If you're listening to this, I feel like there's a pretty good chance that you understand. And also if you're listening to the, like, if you took the time to listen and you don't understand, I appreciate you for trying. So some of you are new to the show and some of you are vets to the show. Shout out to the vets. What's up? I see y'all. I appreciate y'all so much. But this is not a scripted show. That's all I'm trying to say. It's not a scripted show. And so when I say I had to do a bunch of takes, it's because check this out. Look, this is a Black in the Garden is categorized as a single host show. Now, I do do interviews. So, and that's fun. That's really, it's actually kind of my favorite part. <laughs> it's my, I love it. I, Cola be talking, duh. So obviously conversations are a big part of that. But look, as a single host recording a podcast, um, it, it is a little bit extra challenging because you the one saying all the stuff when it's just you talking and there's not, uh, a back and forth of flow that for me, like I, I thrive off of that. Like I thrive. I love it. But when I'm speaking to you like this, you know, when I'm doing my little monologue, I want to make sure that I'm being clear and not rambling too much. And I want to make a solid point and just, you know, I, I just, I care enough to get it right. That's all I'm saying. Whatever right is, I just want to make sure that at least it's making sense. And uh, so I think that's coming through. I think that's coming across, but I did want to clarify that this is not a scripted show. I'm just not a scripted kind of girl. I'm just not. That's just it. Not at this point. We might could get there. I don't know. It just depends. But the creativity, the 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 possibilities for what all this show could be, it's still a baby. So Remember, season two is dope and it's and it's amazing and all of that. But, you know, we still at least a toddler. All right. So we're going to keep on keeping on and appreciate your ears. I just I, I, I have to always let you know how much I appreciate those. They're dope. And we're going to keep this thing going. Shout out to y'all for 
listening to this cute little single host show called Black in the Garden with your girl Cola be talking. Y'all dope. Before we go any further, I want to take a moment to talk about Black business. And you know, it's come to my attention that many of my listeners are first time podcast listeners, which is really dope. So let's just take a few seconds to make sure we understand how we can support podcasts. This one in particular gives you an opportunity to also support Black business, such as my fave, Coco and Seed, which is a wonderful Black business owned by a fantastic Black woman. I can vouch for her myself. She's dope. All right. And what she has for you on today are a few things. You can get some mugs that you can get customized. Yes, that means you can put your name on it. Okay, you could even put your boo name on it or your Monstera boo. Just just a hint, just, you know, just some inspiration for you. You can get a rose gold propagation station to get your, your plants going. You know, you want to multiply. You want to get more plants, obviously. You need a propagation station. It's beautiful. Wait till you see the website. How are you going to get to the website? Through the affiliate link. That is the most important thing. That's how you support the Black business and the podcast. You see how it comes together? So this is what you'll do. The link is in the show notes. Or if you want to write this down, Linktree, spelled L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Black in the Garden. And that is how you get to the website so that you can save 10% on your purchase at Cocoa and Seed because you're definitely going to be particularly interested. If you're anything like me, you'll be particularly interested in getting yourself an a self-watering hydroponic planter kit so that you can get your microgreens or your herbs popping. Listen, it's up to you, but make sure you use the affiliate link so that you can support Black in the Garden, support Cocoa and Seed, get 10% off, You just did a thing. You should feel excited. I'm just going to take a quick minute to address the white gaze. And man, it took me a minute to really determine how I wanted to address this or if I wanted to to address it at all. But it's worth addressing because I've noticed a significant influx of new followers and undoubtedly undoubtedly new listeners as there's been a lot of uh a lot of shout outs a lot of recommendations i am hype about that i love it thank you so much for spreading the word and for you know the new awareness to the concept of black people being involved with plants, AKA the intersection of black culture and horticulture, which is exactly where black in the garden resides on purpose, obviously by design. I I made it that way. It's great. And I'm so glad that you are here with me. So two things, starting with my guests, this has been my thing pretty much from the very beginning. When my guests come to the show and we are prepping for our conversation, I let my guests know that I prefer that they speak freely in a manner that is not inclusive of the white gaze. And that's a big deal for black people or people of color, I guess. But let me stop saying that. 
because this is black in the garden. So I'm just talking about black people. Let me just, let me just speak for what I know. So it is very important. Well, now I don't lost my train of thought. Almost. Let me stay on track. Uh, I tell my guests not to concern themselves with the white gaze. And that is something <laughs> that sometimes we have to say. Sometimes we have to be, well, not sometimes, all the times, whenever we as black people step out into the world, we are always aware. I remember <laughs> being a child and, uh, you know, hearing things from my parents, like, you know, I will, I will whoop your ass out here in front of these white folks. And anybody who's black, who's ever either heard that threat or given that threat to their own children understands that that means I'm not playing. All right. And not to get sidetracked, but really it is something to consider <laughs> that we, that we as black people just have a white gaze to be aware of. It goes back to not just times of American slavery, but it also goes back to Jim Crow times, which was like, it's like, dang, slavery was bad, but Jim Crow was like still horrible. And I just remember it coming to my attention that black people weren't, we weren't allowed to like smile and laugh and express joy publicly. We could not look white people in the eye. Like that was to do that. That's, that was dangerous. That could be, that could be a death sentence. So the white gaze is not something to be taken lightly when we consider the, the history of what it's been like for uh, black people and how we have always had to be hyper aware of how we were, how we are perceived or were perceived, especially in a situation where we could be perceived as a threat to this day. Very unfortunate, very unfortunate, especially if we are caught in the wrong gaze of a white police officer, our lives could be extinguished quickly on camera and they ask to get away with it. And we, we don't like that. Nobody like that's, it's just wrong. Obvious, obviously, but I said, I was going to take a minute. So let me just wrap it up very simply. When it comes to anyone who uh, wants to participate in, or just you know, listen into these conversations. That's a white person. I see y'all. I appreciate y'all for those of you who are wanting to truly, truly educate yourselves on, you know, how to be better allies or, or just how to explore your privilege and things like that and, and do something positive with that. I've just wanted to let you know, I see you. We see you. We see y'all. But it's not really what matters. It's not really what you do when we see you. Let me get it straight. That matters. It's not really so much what you're doing when we see you that matters as much as it's what you're doing when we don't see you, when we can't see you. 
the conversations that you're having with your family members, friends, co-workers, any person who you come across that is speaking in any kind of way that is promoting white, white supremacy, racism, anything that is disparaging against black people. And I'll go back to people of color as well, because, you know, racism crosses the spectrum of the melanated people. So that's what I'll say to that. And I'll say it one more time to the white listeners. And I'm, when I say it one more time, I mean, like, <laughs> this is not something that I'm even comfortable with addressing, not on an ongoing basis for sure, but it's worth noting at this particular time that it is not as important what you're doing when we can see you as it is important what you're doing when we can't see you. When, when the black gaze is not on you, when you're not on the social media, what, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Are you doing the work? Don't stop. It's going to get hard and it's going to get awkward or whatever, but hey, shoot, consider how hard and awkward it has been for black people to have lived under oppression uh, and currently still to this day, we hate the shit and it needs to be reconciled. Yeah, so of course that was a lot. It was pretty morbid because really, let's think about it. There are two very powerful and uh, ridiculous forces that are that we are dealing with currently and I guess simultaneously. And so that's what all is happening now. We're not going to rehash that because I think we've done a good enough job. But remember when... <laughs> I feel like Michael Jackson right now. I'm like, you remember the time when, when it wasn't no pandemic? Okay, I can't do it. That didn't work out. It didn't work out. When we fell in, when there was, nope, I can't. Obviously, I'm not him. But do you remember the time when we were able to go outside? Do you remember? Ha! So that was the time when I... <laughs> I'm leaving it in. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> I'm not cutting that part out. I'm gonna let y'all. I'm gonna let y'all get my botched Michael Jackson um, rendition of "Remember the Time," and hopefully you won't remember that time. But look, I say all that to say that once upon a time I had a really fun interview with Siri Larice, who is my pod cousin, like the, the first pod cousin that I interviewed with the first pod cousin to be amazing and, and inspirational and, and have me on their show. And like, listen, it's a dope thing. It's a dope interview. I'm so glad that you are listening. And like I said, this if we sound like we talking crazy, it's because we were able to go outside or whatever. But look, simpler times, beautiful interview with a beautiful individual. Please enjoy this interview with Siri Larice. All right. Today we are joined by Siri Larice, who is the host of 
kind of hippie, kind of hood podcast. And I'm excited for a multitude of reasons. But uh, the number one reason is because this is my first interview with a fellow podcaster, a fellow Blackity Black podcaster and woman of color. So Siri, welcome to Black in the Garden. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, girl. Hey. So yes, um, I am very excited, like I said, to have you on the show because uh, I feel like if I could describe you as a vegetable, it would be an onion. Uh, can you imagine why I would describe you as an onion? Ah, the layers, perhaps. Many layers to an onion. So, so many layers. Like, there's <laughs> just so much going on with you. First of all, you're kind of hippie and you're kind of hood. Obviously, <laughs> that's the name of your show, which we will get to. But first, I want to start with what makes you you. Tell us where you're from, where you were born, about your parents. Where are you from, Siri? Yeah, so I grew up in the Midwest in Davenport, Iowa, right on the Mississippi River. Um, it's about okay. three hours from Chicago. And okay. um, the community is very art influential. Um, jazz is a big staple. Blues is a big staple in the area. Um, big Spiderbeck, great jazz musician, is well known there. And there's a ton of like music fests and art fests, craft fests and things like that in the area. So I kind of just grew up submerged into the arts. Oh my God, Iowa. Okay, when you say Iowa, like in my mind, you were like the only black person there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> only one so um, Davenport itself, where I'm from, um, honestly, I grew up thinking it was pretty diverse until I moved to LA, you know? Um, in retrospect, it's not that diverse for a city in Iowa, especially one of the largest cities in Iowa. It's very diverse. Okay. Okay. And see, that makes a difference when you have, um, a larger, uh, population of people that gives yeah. room for more diversity. Absolutely. And so, yeah, of course, when you get to LA, you realize that wherever you came from, most likely <laughs> <not> that diverse <laughs> For sure. Right. And so yeah. how did you get from, wait, no, before I get into how you got from Davenport to LA, um, tell us about how you got started with gardening. Like, was that something that you were exposed to growing up? That is the assumption that I made, which is why right. the question came in. So interestingly enough, no. Um, unfortunately, agriculture was not something that was really focused on education-wise in my community. And uh, granted, it is a farming community and the outskirts, there's tons, corn farms, soy farms, dairy farms, um, but it's, it's very much lacking when it comes to um, teaching about the, the standard population of where you live. So I didn't come into gardening or any form of agriculture until I was well in my 20s. I was actually living in Chicago at the time. And uh, I owned my first home and there was a small patch in my small backyard that looks like the previous owners had probably sectioned it off uh, for a garden, but it was 
it was overrun with weeds, like the most discouraging little patch of land you've ever seen. <laughs> and so oh. I figured I was going to turn that little struggly patch into a garden. So that's where I started was in a little struggly patch. <laughs> a struggly patch. I like how you put that. Yeah. A, a struggly patch. Were you a struggly gardener coming into gardening? Oh, Did you know what you were doing? Gosh, it was, yes, I was struggling because I went in with the mentality of, well, I'm a fr- I'm from Iowa and I grew up with agriculture around me. Of course I can grow anything. And so I tried lavender from seed um, and melons and pumpkins, vining things and like morning glories. Cause that's looked like all that could grow back there. And okay. to this day, I still have not successfully started lavender from seed. So I'm still struggling when it comes to lavender <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I've literally had two conversations in the last week about lavender um, because I don't know how it's been coming up, but I didn't do an incredible amount of research, but I do know from my own personal experience that lavender was like, nah, girl, like you don't have to really work to get this right. (laughs) (laughs) Can you speak to that? I know you're you're a a big researcher. So I do want to get into lavender. Like what's up with lavender? All I know is that it's a very delicate plant when it comes to light and moisture and what it prefers. Mm -hmm. And I have not figured out what it prefers from seed. If I buy a seedling already, it does great if I transfer it into my garden, but I'm doing my best to try everything from seed so I can be a little more sufficient and uh, sustainable. And so I'm gonna try, try again with lavender. Um, and I'm not trying to direct sow it. So maybe I need to direct sow it this next time. <laughs> Ooh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Cause lavender. Yeah. Um, but that, that's good that you, at least, you know, like you said, try, try again. You're definitely going to have to try and try if it, if your experience is anything like mine. Um, but you did, it sounds like as far as your, um, intro to gardening starter kit with the vining plant. How did you come to the conclusion that those were good plants for starters? Um, Because that's what season it was. That's what season we were turning into. It was late summer. And so it was the time that I would be starting the seedlings for the fall time and uh, winter garden. So that's where I jumped in. Nice. And what was the experience with, like, this was your first, like, I'm just assuming, but I feel like you kind of said your first experience with growing anything from seed. Is that right? Yeah, it was addicting. And it, for me, the whole point purpose of me starting it was as, as a singer and as an entertainer, I feel that um, it's really easy to get caught up into the muck of the industry. And Mm -hmm. I'm naturally kind of introvert, not kind of very introverted. And without um, those creative outlets that um, in the the gifts I've been given, I, I think I would probably just be chilling at home. And so when it came to gardening, um, I've always lived in big cities like Los Angeles and uh, Chicago. And so I need something that connects me to the earth, that keeps me grounded. And so I figured how far back to the basics can I go that allows me some peace and allows me a little bit of space to cancel out the city noise. And so that's how gardening kind of got to be the foundation because I figured everything starts there from the earth. So that's what I'm going to do to keep myself 
in the plane I need to be in to to thrive. That's it. That that really is it. It's so important for us to connect. And so this was like an intuitive idea that you had that you should do something to get you closer to the earth. Yeah. With growing your so was it just it started out as the concept of I want to be closer to the earth. And then you gave it some thought and you processed it and you realized I could start a garden. Yeah. And then okay. from gardening, I everything has just kind of gone in like this huge, massive circle of me looking at how I connect with other humans and how it affects me. And when I look mm -hmm. at the basics of things, every human needs nourishment. Um, we all need some sort of community, even if it's just one person, even if it's our spouse, our best friend, a parent, and all of our bodies have to have some kind of movement in them to feel good. And so I find that like in a garden, all of those things kind of take place. You're moving your body, it's exercise. You are communing with other people, be it seed swaps or plants or just on social media. And the nourishment kind of comes in so many different forms, whether it's gifts to others or harvesting what you sow. And so like, I think in order for me to even step onto a stage, everything else has to be in place. And for me, it happens in the garden. It does happen in the garden, that grounding. <laughs> that's beautiful because I know um, I'll, I'll continue throughout the interview to refer to your podcast being kind of hippie, kind of hood. And so I'm like, obviously you're getting into the more hippie side of things sure so has that where did which one do you felt like you feel like you identify with first your hippie side or your hood side um i i well i refer to my hood side more as uh if i really look at i look at it as like the hippie side is more current day and i would say the hood side hood is subject to interpretation you know and so I think of it like <laughs> whereas there was a time if someone said something to me off color <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind a verbal slang you know <laughs> like I, I don't I, I wouldn't have minded and now um, I'm willing to meet people with a little more peace and uh, not let things slide but really just look at where my voice is more important and so I look uh -huh. at that as the kind of hippie interpretation of it as well. So I think uh, I'm pretty middle of the road in terms of the kind of hippie kind of hood. That's where the kind of is. It's, it's not <laughs> it's not more so any one direction. Yeah, it sounds like there's a there's a good balance where you're, you know, usually kind of falling in between. Most days. <laughs> what are some of your favorite, like, leaning more in the direction of of your hood nature, if you will? What are some of your favorite hood indulgences or behaviors, activities? Let's get a little ratchet. Oh man, I don't know. Like, I think when in terms of music, I love hip hop. Um, sure. And I think more so than anything, connecting to our history and our lineage and who we are as people you know, or as black women or as black people. And so um, I think digging deep there is really important as well. So what's that? You're part of the bonnet gang. That was what I was going to ask. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 
I mean, because we got to keep our, our trusses intact. So I'm I mean, saying. It goes without saying, but I just needed to confirm on the record that you Absolutely. are in the bonnet gang. So Absolutely. Bonnet gang, head wraps most days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love your head wraps. Oh my goodness. So cute. Like, this is... wow. Okay. So there's a balance that you have between hippie and hood. And so how did we get to the point where you realized, I'm going to do a podcast to explore the uh, dichotomy? Is that the word? Yes, a a bit. Really, it came from, I read a quote, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines about how uh, at different phases of life, people know a different version of you. And uh, I was thinking about all of the different stages of my life and the people and how they've influenced me and how some might have opinion that I'm the biggest, ballsiest bitch they know, where other people will be like, no, she's she's sweet as pie, wouldn't hurt a fly. And so I just Hmm. started to think of like all the different occurrences and how um, I've matured or changed or um, learned and grown over the years. And I thought, wow, like I would love a zone to be able to um, talk about all those things and share more about each layer of myself and and the people who are involved in my life and how uh, they contribute to society themselves, my life, um, and kind of like a basis to just share knowledge and also create camaraderie because I think often um, individuals think of themselves as, uh, I don't want to say special or unique, but just so different than one another, but we have all have so many things that connect us. And so um, I felt like a podcast is a great place to use my voice in a different way than singing, but allow um, not only um, a platform for myself, but a platform for others to feel comfortable to come as they are and share about themselves. Yeah, it's, it's a good place. It's, I love, I just love it so much. Um, the way that you have conversations with your guests, it's all very organic. It just feels very much like I'm sitting in the living room with y'all um, participating in the conversation. So yeah, you're definitely you. holding it down. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's scary producing a podcast. <laughs> and, and it's a lot of work. <laughs> yes. Tell, tell me more. I'll let the people know that this is not just a cute little hobby. No, because what happens is it is allowing yourself to be vulnerable, not only allowing yourself to be vulnerable, but you're putting the people that you're inviting to your space in a vulnerable position as well. And Mm -hmm. you have to be open to positive and negative feedback and ridicule and knowing that just because something is your shit doesn't mean it's somebody else's shit, you know, and that's okay. But it's just, it's it's so much. It's such a learning process. And I'm still learning. I'm still figuring out, you know, what works for me, what doesn't, um, how I feel about other people's opinions about what I'm producing, if I care or not. You know, it's just, it's such a fine thing to navigate. And it's kind of, um, it's been so neat connecting with people like you who, who get it, you know, and who are working hard to create um an environment that's welcoming, but also authentic to, you know, your own purpose. For sure. Yeah. 
there's there is so much to it, especially the part where you're making mistakes in public. Sure. That, is, oh, that speaks directly to the vulnerability because I really had to kind of struggle with myself about like, okay, so are we trying to get this thing to be perfect? What does perfect look like or sound like? And right. then when I realized it's going to be imperfect in one way or another and just making peace with that and just letting it be what it is, mm -hmm. um, you know, until resources are accumulated to a point where I can actually make it sound closer to perfect, but still right. it's like, hey, you know, we, there's no uh, requirement for perfection. It's just like, so it's subjective. Someone, it, it's subjective. It absolutely mm -hmm. is subjective. And then I have to also, you know, give props to you. I appreciate you so much for being a mentor to me in this game because like you are legit like the first podcast host that reached back out to me that I reached out to and I wasn't really sure what to expect because you know when you see people it looks like they got something going on and they got it popping right you can't be too concerned about whether or not they will actually be like uh forthcoming or generous with you to share information no doubt and that yeah and that all goes towards community building you have just been so sweet and so fun and generous so um thank you siri you're I welcome what's you. mine is yours <laughs> when i can help i will that's it and i mean you don't just say it you really do live that so yes let's just keep that going everybody not just me and you but everybody yeah. who hears just keep that in mind when it comes that is literally how you build community is you are just being open with information and contributing to people pouring into people because why not like you're there's so many things that go towards that like the last one i remember hearing was um when the tide rises all the boats how does do you know what i'm trying to say no i don't oh man see okay let me get we'll look it up. here's the other one but i believe it was uh tashana our good friend from Coco and Steve. Oh, she's a dream. That? Isn't she? Oh yeah. my goodness. Hey, Tashana. Hey. I know she's a fan of <laughs> But here's the other one. The one with the candles, right? So when one candle lights another, it does not take away from the light. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying correctly, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do know. That, that is it. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, you are podcasting, kind of hippie, kind of hood, which I love, but you're referring also to this singing career. Yes. How did you, like, how does, does that tie into podcasting? I know that there's a similar amount of yes, that's required it, to even do that. You get up on stage. Yes. So my, my yeah. main career is I'm a singer. Um, I do live band work. I do studio work. Um, background vocals, jingles. And um, I came into singing. I started out um, as, as an instrumental major. And I realized that I was way too lazy to want to carry around all my instruments. And so <laughs> I was like, but I sing too. So <laughs> I remember reading this. I don't remember. I think I was I was doing my research on your website or somewhere. Yeah. And I remember laughing out loud, literally. 
So I figured I would just spend more time on that. And I still play too, but I, I, I like to say I, I'm a, I'm a musician for hobby. I'm a singer for hire is how I say it because I, I prefer to keep my musician. Um, I found that like when it comes to music, I needed to keep something creative to myself because I was getting really run down with music and mm -hmm. all of my hobbies were turning into jobs because I felt like, well, if I spend so much time doing these things, I probably should monetize them. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Excuse me. And so um, I was just getting burned out with music altogether. And so I decided just to keep instrumental stuff to the side for myself and then singing for work. Okay. And so uh, I know on the opening in your, what is it? Your, as you open your podcast, you're actually <laughs> rapping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that foray into uh, rapping on wax that you've done or like how come? No, that's rapping? actually the first rapping I've ever done. <laughs> was that and the the track I'm doing it to is a track that um, I had written with um, a band of mine and we'd never done anything with it like we'd written vocals to it messed around with it and stuff and so I just had some tracks laying around and I was you know I put my own perimeters on when I wanted to launch my podcast and it was creeping mm -hmm. up and I it didn't make sense to me to use um, to purchase tracks when I have my own things that I've written and so I was like well maybe I'll just freestyle and see what happens with this and if cool. it's any good I'll keep it and if it's trash I'll just use the instrumental and just you know talk over it <laughs> and <laughs> it's so it's so funny because my husband had our son in the living room and I'm like I'm just gonna mess around with this for a little bit and then I did it and I just I laughed my ass off because I was like it's it's goofy I'm pretty goofy in general and it's not really polished, but it's, it's, it's real as hell. And I'm like, I'm going to keep it. It's fun. And if anybody knows me, they'll get it. And if they don't know me, hopefully they'll feel like they do after they listen to it, you know? <laughs> Mission accomplished. Wow. I love the way that you put that here because literally when I first heard you rapping, I was like, okay, this sounds like she's just playing, but right. if she wanted to make go of this, I would, I get the album. So it, it comes across as very Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Right. It's, that's it's exactly what I was going for. Like, just chill, nonchalant, like, talk rap, you know, just chatting. <laughs> you see how I get you, though? You see? See, you knew I was. That's it. Oh, my goodness. And that reminds me of something else about you that I get, just to circle back around to gardening, because, you know, Black in the Garden. Right. Um, what's the names of your Black Garden gnome? Oh, Gnome Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> <laughs> And so it's Busy Gnome and Wish Gnome. <laughs> okay, so you have uh, a group of two, yes. Busy and Wish. Is there any particular reason why you selected Busy and Wish? Because you could have picked Crazy or Flesh, you know what I'm saying? Yes. I know my... Yeah, absolutely. And there are reasons because I consider my husband and I are very much uh, busy. <laughs> And have, okay. and have lots of goals and wishes. And when I looked at the two little gnomes, like one is holding a little basket of uh, fresh produce for sale. And the other one has just got his little garden, his little garden hoe in his hand. So fresh produ uh -huh. produce guy is busy gnome because he's been busy working and harvesting. Yeah. And wish gnome is the one with the little shovel, just kind of like 
happy go lucky wishing that the garden would grow but not really doing anything in it <laughs> that is so thorough that you gave it that much thought um, yeah for I sure love that. the one with the produce i literally i have him he's like the first post on the yes and mine is jerome the gnome I yes mean, jerome the gnome it's literally like jerome from martin because like how much oh jerome rome <laughs> Romy Rome, yeah, yes. like for real, for real. That is, oh, that is wow. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, so just the whole concept of the black gnome and how representation matters, and you know yes, how sure only once a year do you get to find this elusive black gnome. Which ugh, don't get me started. I but, know. Um, as far as what they're doing for you in your garden space you're gardening in LA now yes okay so tell us about that experience where your gnomes at where, where gnome thugs and harmony at they gnome thugs the and harmony they live in the collard green I have um one of our raised planters has two tree collard plants in it and they're mm. about six feet tall and so gnome thugs live in the tree collard garden nice okay yeah. hold on so how are the collars doing? Are they benefiting from all this good, positive? Oh, um, man. You know, so lucky in L.A. to be able to grow year round. And so, yeah. So like our gardening never has to stop. And with the collars, they're amazing year round. But this time of year, because it's cooler and it's wetter, the leaves are just so much more sweet and tender than they are in the summer mm -hmm. months. And it's, I'm, I just feel very, very gracious to be able to, to, to garden all of the time. That's a big, that's a big push to, there are so many struggles that come in with living with, in Los Angeles. It's unbelievably expensive here, unbelievably congested here and access mm -hmm. to so many things is limited. So you you definitely have to be aware and look for the things that make it worth living and the climate is it adds to the well-being so much because you have the beach and you have the mountains and if you want snow you can get to snow and so it's like um it, it's worth it all if it means i can dig in the dirt all year you know it is that is that's not, well, okay, let me stop lying. I did garden in Florida. That was actually my introduction to gardening, but I was in North Florida. I was in Jacksonville. Where ah, no way. I used, used to live to in Mobile, Alabama. Did you? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so did you garden in Mobile? I didn't. I was actually in junior high when we lived there. My uh, stepdad was stationed in the Navy and we got uh, stationed in Mobile for okay. one year. Yeah, that's it because it definitely is a military town. Yeah. Okay, so okay. so your main gardening time was between Chicago and LA. Yeah, most all of my gardening, well, I've gardened in Iowa, I've gardened in Chicago and I've gardened in LA. Oh, oh wow. Okay, diversity. Look at you. Yeah, if I'm if I'm somewhere, I'm gardening. It, it's it's a must have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you garden what? So you're a mom. I'm a mom. Mother. Yes. And you're also a homeschooling mother of one. I so, am. 
I'm assuming that there is some gardening curriculum going on with, between uh, absolutely you your son. Yes, uh-huh. he is. That. He is seven, and he's very science and tech driven. He loves being in the dirt. Um, loves bugs. Loves learning about it. He's very hands on. And it's so neat because I didn't have that growing up. Like it was culturally, it was very much stay clean. uh, Do not get that dirty. And your hair Mm. better not look worse than it did when you left. And there there was a lot of things. (laughs) Right, though? (laughs) No, I know what you're talking about. You better not get dirty, especially if we're getting dressed, right? Right. Um, we anticipate that we will be going somewhere like within the sure. hour but you have an yeah. opportunity to go out girl you better not get dirty are you crazy and right the cardinal offense is if you got dirt in your hair oh Woo. my god i remember when don't i just let out the braids me. don't let <laughs> i just remember a moment when when uh, one of my black girlfriends got dirt in her hair and the way it was like the record scratched and we all kind of looked at each other like <laughs> oh my God, she's gonna die <laughs> it, it just very bleak for her because we just knew yeah especially when that dirt to that blue magic oh my god it's a wrap it's oh, stuck like blue and now it's on your scalp <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh my goodness so wow you just you really took me there <laughs> yeah you really but yeah. so he plays in the dirt with me. <laughs> yeah, your son plays in the dirt with you. I literally had to go back. It's like I have PTSD or something like that. I know. about getting hair as a child. Got me completely off track. But okay, yeah. so your son enjoys gardening with you. All the tactile, fun, yeah. science all of that about it. So that, yeah, that, really, okay. You know, so yes, we homeschool. Uh-huh. Um. I serve on the state board, uh, homeschool association. I I'm very much, if I'm involved, I'm like all the way into it. I don't really like half-ass stuff. (laughs) And so I figured if I'm going to be, uh, his primary educator at home. And I I say homeschool loosely because so much is done outside of the home and, Mm -hmm. uh, field trips or meetups and play dates and stuff. But, um, really deciding to homeschool really boiled down to our lifestyle and Mm -hmm. I need freedom with my schedule as a musician. And I also believe that uh, where the school system lies doesn't really um, cater to how children learn across the board because they're also different and learn at different paces. And especially in oversaturated school systems like in Los Angeles, it's not like that the teachers aren't capable and willing and able. It's just very hard to tend to the needs of multiple students in one classroom setting. And um, when I look at it, I figure if if I have the access and the capability um, to provide in a different way and a way that I would have benefited from as a student growing up, um, it's worth exploring and trying to see if it works out for our family. And it turns out it's a great fit. And you started homeschooling like from jump. All of yeah. your education is oh, from scratch. From oh, scratch. And I'm glad that you can, you know, share that with us because it's hard. You know, it's not to say it's not difficult. Um, of course. 
but it's definitely worth it. And it's always worth looking at if it's continuing to be beneficial or not. And, you know, we check in with each other and see, hey, do we still like it? Um, is everybody yep. still growing and learning? And if not, revamp it and reconsider. I did want to ask, as a Black homeschooling mother, mm. do you get true face from some people when they find out that you're homeschooling? Because, you know, homeschooling kind of is one of those things that's like hashtag white people shit. Right. You get what I mean? But you're on the hippie side. So you get it. So, well, uh, oh, man. The, the, it's a fine line across the board. My husband is white. Uh-huh. And I think where our family dynamic lies in different realms, it's completely, it, it, it varies. So in the homeschooling yeah. community, <clears throat> homeschooling community in Los Angeles, um, homeschooling in California is very popular. And mostly because okay. of the entertainment industry and especially child actors and things like that. So, um, it, yeah, it's very popular out here. And it's also a pretty fact. popular. What's that? I said that's a fun fact. Yeah. It's pretty popular yeah. um, in the Midwest where I'm from as well. Um, however, it's very Christian in the Midwest. And we don't, we're secular homeschoolers. So um, it's a, a different, a different zone altogether. Um, but a different. There, there are a couple black homeschool groups and meetups specifically for uh, homeschoolers of color. And I do see the homeschooling communities and the state boards and the different associations um, putting a focus on social justice and making sure that all communities are represented. Um, but I, I usually find black people more surprised that I homeschool than white people, I think. Okay. Yeah. That that's, um, you know, cause like I said, just going back to the whole concept of it being something that is not common among yeah. us, it, it tends to be when that's something that you do, then it becomes your norm. And right. And you kind of find yourself in circles where you meet other black people who are doing it kind of mm -hmm. like gardening. Cause you know, that is also, something that is considered to be a, a more kind of white hobby but um and it's like that me. it's so it's so hard because it, it's like what about slaves working in the crops and fields like it's not a white hobby it is a agriculture is a black lifestyle absolutely and it goes back to before you know because you we can go back to slavery which i call involuntary gardening but going back to Africa, the, the literal motherland of, of civilization, and knowing that we were definitely, our ancestors were horticultural experts who were in turn exploited and brought to the state so that their uh, horticultural expertise could be further exploited. It wasn't just the labor. Right. Because um, this is something that I just recently learned, and I'm looking forward to getting into more of all of that deep history but it wasn't just the labor that was being exploited it was the knowledge of how to do it right so, shout out to our ancestors absolutely okay okay so shout out to the ancestors now let's go to the future all right where are you going with your gardening uh aspirations i believe i re i read 
that you were interested in a homestead. Is that correct? Urban farm. Yes. An urban farm. Oh. Yes. What's urban the difference between an urban farm and a homestead? Can maybe kind homestead. Of yeah, homestead serves your family. Urban farm mm -hmm. serves the community. Boom. Okay, so there's a difference. Yeah. And so how's that coming along? It's great. Um, it's so interesting as my husband and I sit down and work through our business plan and the things that we'd like to offer and how we want to implement our, our personal talents as well and integrate them into the farm. It seems like we get to one point where we're like, great, this, this is good. And then something else changes and we're like, well, now we have to start all over. And so we're in this cycle of like, of realizing there's so many ways to go about something and that yeah. it's not just that one way might be better than the other. One way is different than the other. So just start. And so that's, that's the face we're in is being brave enough to just start and pick the spot where we want to start because that's the, the biggest challenge for us is land access. And mm -hmm. the further away you go from Los Angeles, which we consider home base, um, the more land is available for you to grow. So we're just looking at what makes, what makes the most sense for our long-term goal. Um, mm -hmm. Multiple small parcels throughout Los Angeles or just going a little bit further and having the opportunity to, to grow on a bigger scale. Ooh, I'm going to leave that to y'all because that sounds like a pretty... Girl, I was asking for advice. <laughs> <laughs> no, ma'am. I don't have it for you. I do. You can't put me on a spot like that. You can just let me marinate on it and now I can let you know. <laughs> you know, I definitely will because I can see the benefit in going one way or the other. So, yeah. yeah. Look, Siri, I can just say best of luck to you on that, but, you know, we'll, we'll be so I'll I'll give you more feedback on that, you know, in the For future. Sure. The <laughs> For sure. I've, so okay, so I want to uh, just wrap up with a fun question, trying something new. Okay, uh, I haven't quite named it yet, but I want to ask you. This is this is the fun part. Uh, if you could go somewhere in the past, the present, or the future, which would you select? Would you select to go backwards, stay where you at, or go to the future? Okay. So I'm going to say present. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm going to say present for the fact that I think leading up until now or up until the past year, um, I've had a lot of, I don't know, regret or concerns or uncertainties about the past mm -hmm. or the future. And as, as things progress, I realize there's nothing I can do about either as long as I'm present and doing the best I can like right now. So I, I'm just going to say present for, for that fact is um, being able to, to, to live in the now and not have anxiety or worry about the things that are unknown. See, I should have kind of known that that's where you were going with that because like being in the present, you know, it just makes me think of mindfulness and mm -hmm. doing the best with what you have and really enjoying the moment. So, yeah, yes, I appreciate that answer. That, that's very valuable. I appreciate you so much. Oh my goodness, Siri, we, we did, we did a podcast. <laughs> we are so great. We did it. 
<laughs> I'm so glad. Another one for the books for both of us. So, of course, before I let you go, you got to tell everybody how they can find you in all of your onion layers. <laughs> yeah. You- yes. So I'm on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Siri Larice. And my mm-hmm. website is SiriLarice.com. Um, and that's it. Can you spell that for us? I'm yes. going to put it in the show notes, Please do. Yes, it's S-I-R-I-L-O-R-E-C-E. That's my first and middle name. Okay, just like Siri, like the, the lady on the Apple phones, right? You got it. <laughs> but you was, a, you was an OG prototype. OG. And, and it all, yeah, it all makes sense. So once again, Siri, thank you so much for joining us on Black in the Garden. And I'm wishing you love, light, and soil. Thank you. Take care. That was dope. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Siri Larice. you were a fantastic guest. And I look forward to future episodes of Black in the Garden. So episode six of season two, we did that, y'all. And I want you to consider ways that you can support the podcast of course, you can get you something really fly from Cocoa and Seed using our affiliate link, which is in the show notes. Everything you need is in the show notes. You need to find me on, on social media. It's in the show notes. And that's at Black in the Garden, by the way. The email address, ways that you can support. You can become a patron. You can even support via Anchor. So there's so many ways that you can give back. You know what I mean? You don't just have to do so with your coins. You can also do so by sharing. Sharing goes a long way, y'all. Like literally in just the past week, we have seen a tremendous increase in in listenership and in viewership and followership and community building just off of the amplification that occurred when essentially white people were like, you know what? Perhaps we should put more more emphasis on amplifying black voices um as an unfortunate result of the catalyst being the uh murder of George Floyd where with that in mind I don't want to end on a sad note but on a happy note what I did want to indicate is that the fight will continue and it started off real like, wow, violence, uproar, upset, and all of that. But it will continue. It will continue with, with energy. It might, not be, it might not look the way that it looked when it first started, but it will continue. And we need to continue to amplify platforms such as Black in the Garden, where we get to share Black stories So um, make sure that you go take a look at the IGTV. I'm going to, I'm going to get a bonus episode, which is essentially the lost episode being the interview that I did with the columnist Preach Jacobs, who wrote an amazing article. The link is in the uh, show notes actually on Linktree. So listen, get everything you need. Get that bonus episode that is coming up. Share this episode. Share the podcast. 
get into the show notes so that you can click the links so that you can support. Make sure you catch up on old episodes. And I look forward to having you listen to the future episodes. Thank y'all for supporting Love, Light, and Soil. Cola be talking. I'm out.